Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I'm your host, Daniel Ocho, and we are here with our Week 10 NFL betting picks. Week 10 just sounds wrong. I can't believe we're almost more than halfway done with this full NFL season. Uh, It's going way too fast, but we are here again recapping Week 9, getting into our Week 10 picks. So without further ado, let's jump in. We begin, as always, with a brief recap of our last week of betting picks. And let me tell you, this is one of the more exciting recaps I've gotten to do here. We were on fire this past week. We gave out a bunch of winners for you guys. First of all, Kenneth Gainwell, anytime touchdown scorer on Thursday Night Football. He punches one in. That's a good start to the week for anybody, us included now. Then we move on to Sunday. I gave you guys Dolphins, Bears, over 45. That game was a boat race. We saw almost 70 points scored there. Fun game to watch. Justin Fields is electric. The Dolphins defense loves to allow big plays. And then the last pick that I had for you guys last week was the Falcons to cover three and a half. A bit hairy there for a second. Falcons are leading most of the game. They end up choking it away to the Chargers, but they cover by a half point. Uh, I told you guys I've got down to three, maybe stay away. But at three and a half, it's a win for us. It's a win for everybody. And it's a good freaking start to the week ahead. So let's move on now to our week 10 NFL betting picks. Let's dive in. We begin on Thursday night football, the Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, The Falcons are minus two and a half in Carolina. Over under is 41 and a half in this game, projecting to be a gross game. Uh, We just saw these two teams play a few weeks ago. We saw that incredible boat race of a game, 30 plus points by both teams. Overtime, PJ Walker throws a Hail Mary electric performance. I'm not sure that we're going to get a repeat here. Thursday night football has not exactly been an arena for high scoring affairs thus far this NFL season. The Falcons are coming off a tough game where they were really giving it to a Chargers team that still can't stop the rush. Uh, Fire Brandon Staley into the sun. Uh, The Carolina Panthers are coming off one of the worst shellackings in the NFL this entire season. The Bengals were playing guys off the street by the fourth quarter last week. Joe Mixon goes for five touchdowns on them. Uh, They bring in Baker Mayfield, who myself included. A lot of people didn't even realize was healthy at this point. P.J. Walker still starting over Baker this Thursday night. This may be a game where you, you go out for drinks with your, your co-workers, go out and enjoy yourself. Don't worry about this game. If it's on in the background, keep it on. In terms of plays for this week, everyone knows I like to stay away from these Thursday night games. I especially like to stay away from these Thursday night games when they are gross matchups like the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. This is a bit of a classic Thursday night football game where we have two disappointing NFC South teams. Uh, the only thing that could be more quintessential Thursday night football would be Jack. Jaguars versus the Texans or something and and an over under projected of 35 points. The Blake Bortles game, as we like to call it. Uh, But this is going to be something, not a game I'm going to spend a lot of time watching. Uh, The play in this game, I think, is Marcus Mariota, anytime touchdown scorer. The odds probably won't be that great, but it feels like a pretty safe bet to me here. We just saw the Panthers get absolutely shellacked last week on the ground. Everyone on that team got to score rushing touchdown. Essentially, we got Joe Mixon with four or three rushing, and then we got uh, Joe Burrow himself rushing in one at quarterback. Uh, Now we have Marcus Mariota, a guy who already has three rushing touchdowns on the season, has an opportunity here to punch one in. This Arthur Smith led rushing attack has been relatively successful, even in the games that they've lost, uh, where they're not throwing the ball a bunch volume wise. They're maintaining a commitment to the run, even in the face of essentially surefire defeat. But the Falcons are pretty good. Give me Marcus Mariota, anytime touchdown score on Thursday night football. 
this brings us now to our first game on Sunday, the Munich game, the first German NFL game. I'm very excited for this. I think the people of Germany are very excited. Scott Hansen keeps telling me that every week on, on Red Zone. Uh, we have the Seattle Seahawks on the road, quote unquote, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The over under in this game is set at 44 and a half. Uh, the line in this game is the Tampa Bay Bucks minus two. Uh, I've seen this line at minus two, minus one. It seems to be jumping a little bit. I would expect that this line will climb a little bit higher to probably the Bucks minus three or minus three and a half. This is a very tough time zone game for the Seattle Seahawks here. They're going across like five time zones, six time zones, something like that. The Bucks are coming off a little bit better of a situation. They were at home in Tampa. So that flight to Germany is a little bit easier for them as they're not coming from the West Coast. This is a really tough position for the Seahawks purely because of schedule making. Uh, It feels like a schedule loss for them. I'm very high on the Seahawks this year. As everybody knows, I've been very high on the Seahawks all season. I've been less high on the Bucs. Seems like a team that has just a lot of bad juju around them. I want to stay away from them at every opportunity, but it feels like the schedule makers didn't do the Seahawks any favors here. So I'm going to be taking the Bucs Anything up to minus three and a half in all likelihood. I think the play here is really to get them closer to minus two, minus one. The under is also in play here, but I think there's a smart play here. Just take the bucks. The Seahawks are in a tough spot. Scheduling wise, travel wise, it's a bit of a schedule loss for them. Before we jump into our Sunday games, let's begin with this week's coverage king. Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. This week's coverage king is none other than Geno Smith. Geno Smith's a guy that everyone wrote off, myself included. I'm from New York. I watched him play for the Jets. I watched him play a little bit for the Giants. And this was a guy who was just sort of a waste of talent. I remember watching him in college at West Virginia, and his talent was just undeniable. Uh, The first month and a half of his final season in college, he looked like one of the best players we've ever seen at the college level. It reminded me, uh, this was pre-Lamar Jackson, but that was sort of the electricity that Geno Smith was bringing to the game. And he wasn't as refined or, or as electric as a runner as some of these other big time college quarterbacks we've seen, but the guy just had so much poise, just such an ability to really just maintain drives, make some big plays with his arm and extend plays with his legs. And if you watch this past week, Geno Smith really was taking it to a Cardinals team that, I don't know, has looked like a playoff team in the last couple of years. Obviously, they're not that at this point, but Geno Smith threw a pick six and then went down the field three consecutive times on long, consistent drives where he punches in six points, six points, six points, and the Seahawks ultimately win a tough game on the road against the Cardinals. I was shocked last week when the Seahawks were somehow underdogs in that game. It made no sense to me. And this is the reason why. Going into week 10 of the NFL season, Geno Smith is an MVP candidate. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to anyone who's probably been following the league this long. At this point, I don't want to bet against Geno Smith, uh, which is probably going to make my next pick a little bit more confusing. Uh, but for now, Geno Smith is our coverage king of the week. We now move on to our 1 p.m. slate, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs coming off a big game against the Titans where they really struggled to consistently finish drives uh, against the Titans team that was running Malik Willis. Definitely at this point, the worst starter in the NFL out at quarterback. I don't really know what was going on there. The Jaguars are 10 point underdogs on the road against a Chiefs team that should kick the shit out of them. Uh, the over under in this game is set at 49 and a half. Jaguars ended up pulling one out against the Raiders team that is just doing everything in their possible ability to lose games. Josh McDaniels looks completely overrun as a head coach in over his head. A guy who just does not know how to clock manage, how to close out a game. Uh, <laughs> and initially talking about this game and walking myself through it, 
I just assumed the Jaguars lost this game because I remember looking up some point through the the Sunday schedule and seeing this team is down like three scores. That's who this Jacksonville Jaguars team is. They tend to start out really slow. I saw a stat that they're one of the worst first quarter teams in the NFL this year. They just get boat raced every first quarter. At a certain point, you just can't do that. And you really can't do that against teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to come back against the Raiders because Josh McDaniels can't get out of his own way. You're not going to do that against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this Chiefs offense that's probably looking to put a hurting on somebody after letting the Titans hang around way too long last week. So I think the play here is Chiefs minus 10. I'm going to stay away from the total here, but give me the Chiefs minus 10 at home. Fade the Jags here. Next up, the Houston Texans at the New York Giants over under in this game set at 38 and a half. Yuck. The spread in this game is set at six points in the Giants favor. Uh, They are minus six at home against the Texans team that looked completely inept absent the first drive of their last game against the Eagles. Uh, They actually were moving the ball relatively well early in that game. But outside of Damian Pierce, I don't know who this Texans team can rely on. Uh, Brandon Cooks didn't play last week. He's taken an extended break from this team following their failure to trade him to a contender. Uh, But the guy just signed an extension. What are you going to do? You signed up for the long haul on a team that is just not very good right now. I think Davis Mills is not as bad as a lot of these other bottom tier quarterbacks. We're seeing start games at this point in the NFL. But that being said, the Giants are just taking care of business against these teams. This is exactly what Dable has brought to that team. Their head coach has really brought an energy and a fire to this Giants team in a way that has allowed them to take care of business against inferior opponents. And to me, this is a perfect, perfect Giants minus six spot because the Giants are just a team at this point that really just handles their business against teams that have no business being in these games. And the Texans are losing on purpose at this point. They're they're trying their damnedest. So give me the Giants here minus six. Next up, the New Orleans Saints are on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers team coming off a bye. The Saints are three point favorites on the road. Uh, weird line there over under 41 and a half at this point as we're recording the Saints have not finished their game with the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt Uh, the New Orleans Saints are to my mind a much better team than the Steelers at this point Uh, but it feels like a spot here Steelers coming off a bye Kenny Pickett finally getting to maybe play not one of the best offenses in the NFL. Obviously, he's a quarterback. He doesn't play them directly, but he's been in a tough position down early a lot to teams like the Eagles, teams like the Bills, and now he plays Andy Dalton in the game where maybe finally he's, I don't know, somewhere near that that level of talent at this point of his career. Beyond that, the Steelers seem like a team that would really benefit from a bye. They need that extra time to coalesce as an offense to whatever extent that's possible with such a terrible offensive coordinator. And the Saints are a team that for all the liking that I've given them, all the the kind words that I've said about them preseason, during the season, about them winning that division, this feels like a trap. And that line screams fishiness to me. I don't think that the Saints should be three-point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh. It may be cold. Saints are a dome team. I don't like it. Give me the Steelers here, plus three. That feels like a big play for me this week. Next up, the Detroit Lions on the road against the Chicago Bears. Uh, The Bears are two and a half point favorites here, uh, which is a weird sentence to say out loud because they haven't been favorites very often. Matt Eberflus, maybe the first time he's a favorite this year. I got to look into that. But the over-under in this game is set at 47 and a half. Feels like a screaming and over to me, which gives me a little bit of second thought, right? Because this Lions team has really scored the ball very well, despite last week's effort against a Packers defense that I can't tell whether it's overrated or underrated. They're just all over the place at this point. But the Detroit Lions defense 
coming out of the bye last week was really, really impressive. They held a Packers offense that, listen, hasn't been setting on the world on fire by any means, but, but, but they really just dominated Aaron Rodgers. Two or three picks for Rodgers. The Detroit Lions team does not do that to Aaron Rodgers. So I know that this Packers offense isn't what we thought it was. It's not the team we're used to of the last several years. But that being said, for Detroit, for Dan Campbell, it was an impressive effort. And everyone knows I love to bet on Dan Campbell. The only problem is that at this point, one of the only guys I like to bet on more than Dan Campbell is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is so fun to watch. He is electric with the ball in his hands. He can't really throw the ball worth a lick. Uh, he does some some cool plays sometimes when they call some play action passes and, he, and he's getting outside the pocket. But he threw for 115 yards last week or 120 yards. And now he also happened to run for the most yards ever in the regular season by a quarterback at 178. But this passing offense isn't exactly setting the world on fire. The play here for me is the Bears. I don't see how the Detroit Lions contain Justin Fields the way he's playing right now. The over-under in this game set at 47 and a half is a little bit scary to me. It feels like such a scream over that I'm not inclined to take it. It feels like Vegas knows something that I don't hear. Uh, so I'm staying away from the over-under despite the fact that both these offenses can really score. So give me the Bears here at home, minus two and a half against the Lions in Week 10. Next up, we have the Cleveland Browns. On the road against the Miami Dolphins. This game is firmly within the Vegas zone. Dolphins are minus four at home against a Browns team that who knows what to make of this team. Oh, I, I just don't know how good they are. They, they put a shellacking on the Bengals last time they played. They're coming off a bye. I know, I know, I know. But at a certain point, this Jacoby Brissett uh, run game offense, it, it has to stop, right? It, they have to get called out. They can't hang with some of these more dynamic offenses. Over-under in this game set at 48 uh, the Dolphins' defense stinks, uh, and Tua is maybe amazing. Everything that I thought I knew about this Dolphins team changes from week to week. I think that I'm wrong about them at all times, including when I first thought they were electric, and then I thought they kind of stunk on offense. Now Tua seems to really be coming into his own. At this point, I'm buying into the Mike McDaniels offense, his whole ideology that he's putting some of these players in the best positions they've ever been in in terms of succeeding with the ball in their hands. Tyreek Hill's going to set the receiving record. For Christ's sake, this is a guy who loses Patrick Mahomes, now has a quarterback who was maybe playing himself out of a job end of last year, and now he's going to set the receiving record with this guy. Jalen Waddell is just a stud. Uh, the Miami Dolphins seem like a screenplay here. Minus four, the over may be the real play to do here. Because for all I've said about Jacoby Brissett and this Browns offense, They've been scoring the ball really well. This is Nick Chubb's team until Deshaun Watson comes back. Oh, yuck. But they've been scoring the ball pretty well, and the Dolphins can't really stop anyone. So despite the fact that I'm leaning the Dolphins in the actual ATS play, give me the over 48 in the Dolphins game against the Browns. I know the Browns tend to run out the clock a bit, but this feels like a game that's going to be back and forth and could be a tight game into that fourth quarter. So give me the over here. Next up, the Minnesota Vikings at the Buffalo Bills. And I cannot talk about this game without first addressing the elephant in the room. I don't know what Josh Allen's status is going to be next week. I don't know what his status is going to be going forward. I'm a little bit scared about it. At the time of this recording, we don't know the extent of his elbow injury. I've heard some ulnar nerve damage. Could be like a Tommy John thing. Please, for all of our sake, for football's sake, do not let that be the case. Uh, football's better with Josh Allen in the game. Uh, and I certainly don't want to be betting on the Bills if he's not out there. That's why this play is one of my big, big plays this week. A lot of books have taken this line off the board, but for now, the Vikings are plus seven and a half on the road in Buffalo. The over-under in this game set at 48 and a half until I know what's going on with Josh Allen. But even if I have the opportunity to bet against the, the Bills here, I'm taking the Vikings plus seven and a half. Early in the week, 
If you can find this line on a book, I think it's worth your while to take that shot because even if Josh Allen plays next week, he's going to be compromised. I don't think that Case Keenum is capable of putting this Bills team more than a touchdown ahead of this Vikings team and keeping them there all game. I know the Bills defense is really incredible. I know the Case Keenum has put together some impressive runs throughout his career, but the Vikings offense, at least when it tries, uh, can be pretty impressive onto its own. I know that Kirk Cousins tends to be a bit of a pumpkin on the road, and I'm always very afraid of betting on him in a hostile environment, but it feels like this Vikings team is getting something rolling here. They're relying on Dalvin Cook more. Dalvin Cook's getting more big plays in terms of getting down the field. This this rushing offense seems to be coming together. And last week, at least, they seem to have turned a corner in getting their star receiver, Justin Jefferson, the ball. So give me the Vikings here, plus seven and a half. If Josh Allen ultimately is ruled out, that becomes a major play. This line's going to move at least three or four points with Josh Allen out. So give me the Vikings here, plus seven and a half. And jump on it early if you can. This brings us now to our last game, the one o'clock slate, and our sicko game of the week. It's not a dress, it's a kilt! Sicko! This week's sicko game of the week, once again, the Denver Broncos find themselves in a sicko game of the week because their offense is bad, bad, super, super bad. They play the Tennessee Titans, likely again led by Malik Willis. Uh, the Titans played rather impressive last week, despite having Malik Willis as a play caller, despite being on the road against a Chiefs team that is really, really good. Maybe the class of the AFC at this point. The Titans are two point favorites hosting the Broncos over under in this game is set at an electric 39 and a half. You would have to pay me a lot of money to watch this game. And I love football. I'm a football guy. But Malik Willis versus this version of Russell Wilson. I I know Russell Wilson played a lot better in London. I know maybe he found himself there. I'm very doubtful of that. I'm very doubtful of this Broncos head coach. I'm even more doubtful of Malik Willis's ability to throw for more than 120 yards in a game. Everything about this game screams rock fight to me. The under is probably the play here. The real play here is to pretend this game is not on television and not watch one one second of it. Just ignore it. Pretend it's not there. When you see a couple Derrick Henry big runs, be like, oh, wow, that's great. That's cool. That game's happening for the people of Denver, for the people of Tennessee. I'm very sorry. This game doesn't exist to us this week, but the play here is probably, oh, disgusting. Give me the Broncos plus two. And that's the last I'll talk about it. No more Broncos, no more Titans. Let's move on now to the four o'clock slate. First game in our four o'clock slate, the Indianapolis Colts at the Las Vegas Raiders. Things that the Colts did this week. They fired their head coach, Frank Reich. They hired a consultant with no college or NFL head coaching experience or coaching experience in Jeff Saturday, former franchise center. This is like one of those meme hirings or one of those hirings that you see fans putting around like forums, like the Colts Facebook page. We should hire Jeff Saturday because he was so good for our team when when we were really good in in the 2000s. I cannot believe that Jim Irsay did this. Jim Irsay is off the rails. This guy is just doing whatever he wants. It's hilarious to think just how much Losing to the Titans over and over again has broken this guy as as a person. Uh, So now, first, he has Matt Ryan benched. Then he has his head coach sacked. Uh, This team is a disaster. I don't want anything to do with the Colts here. The only thing I want less to do, I mean, the Raiders just lose every game they can. At the end of these games, all they can do is choke games away. I saw a story this week that Josh McDaniel's job is not in jeopardy. I don't know how. I think this line opened at minus four. The Raiders are now minus six at home against a Colts team that is just reeling. And in all likelihood, they're tanking for a draft pick, uh, openly tanking, I guess, with this guy, Jeff Saturday here at head coach, who's never coached a game before. Beyond never coaching a game before, 
the Colts coaching staff now is in the unenviable position of not having any coach on their staff who's ever called offensive plays in an NFL game, which is unbelievable, unfathomable. The Colts ownership group could put them in this position. So now the Colts are forced to have a rookie first-time play caller (laughs) going on the road against a Raiders team that's desperate for a win. The over-under in this game set at 42 Give me the Raiders, minus six, minus four, whatever you want it at. This is a prime teaser game for me. We see it's in that teaser zone, the under 49. The Raiders here are favorites. This is going to be a prime teaser game. We're going to pair it up with something at the end of the show. But for now, just give me the Raiders, minus six, minus four, whatever you can get it at. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals are on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. Cardinals-Rams games have been a little bit weird over the last couple of years. Uh, usually, it just involves the Rams running the ball down the Cardinals' throats for the most part. Everyone remembers how badly Kyler and the Cardinals sort of choked in that playoff game against the Rams on the Rams' way to their Super Bowl victory last year. The Rams are minus three and a half at home, a Cardinals team that is desperate, desperate, desperate for a win right now. Their offense is just horrible to watch. A lot of jet sweeps, 200 screens a game, but the Rams are even worse. My God, uh, despite getting some effort, finally, some some production from the running back room this past week with Daryl Henderson going for over 50 yards, I think maybe for the first time all year, uh, they could not patch together anything offensively. And everything just looks so hard for this Rams team right now. We've seen what these McVay offenses look like when they're rolling. Everything looks so easy. Guys are getting open down the field. The running game is just automatic. And now we're seeing for the second time here what a McVay offense looks like when that offensive line starts to degrade. Once we start to see uh, that offensive line break down, we start to see this offense look so much more difficult. Everything looks too hard. Everything looks sort of gross here. I'm sure that there'll be points scored in this game. The over-under is set at 43 and a half, which if you told me last year, if you told anyone last year that there'd be a Cardinals-Rams game with the over-under set at less than 45, it would seem almost unbelievable, right? What we've seen from these two teams in the last couple of years, what we've seen from these skilled players on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, James Conner, Hollywood Brown, who's injured right now, but they have a lot of guys. By the same token, the Rams have Cooper Cup, best receiver in the NFL. Uh, They have Matthew Stafford, who prior to whatever this run is for him, has been a top-level quarterback in this league. Nonetheless, I have to take the Rams here. I'm fading the Cardinals until further notice. And if anyone who's been tracking this show, I'm just hopelessly committed to this Rams team, despite the fact that they stink every single week. And in all likelihood, I will try to avoid watching this game as much as I can because... These offenses are just painful, painful, painful to watch. So give me the Rams here, minus three and a half. The last game in our four o'clock slate here is the Dallas Cowboys at the Green Bay Packers. This line is funky. This line opened at minus four and a half. Uh, The Cowboys on the road in Lambeau Field, they're they're four and a half point favorites. Uh, The over-under in this game set at 43 and a half. How? I guess my question is how, right? Because we think that uh, usually a home team gets three or two points in their favor. I know the Packers looked pathetic this past week. I know they just lost Romeo Daubs, who shockingly is one of their more important players on offense. I also know that Aaron Rodgers looks like he wants to quit football by the second quarter of every game here. He's just sulking around. He looks miserable. The Cowboys are coming out of a bye. Dak Prescott gets another week to heal, to recuperate. This may be a beatdown. This may be an absolute shellacking. I would look at the alternative line in this game, maybe minus seven and a half, minus 10. I could see the Cowboys winning this game by 17 points uh, because they are a team that defensively is not going to let up on Aaron Rodgers. They're going to put a hurting on this guy, especially with a beleaguered receiver room, beleaguered skill position group. Aaron Jones got injured last week. It could get pretty dire for the Packers here, and we could be looking at one of the worst losses of the 
Aaron Rodgers era, especially coming off a four-game losing streak that already is one of the worst losing streaks of the Aaron Rodgers era. So give me the Cowboys here, minus four and a half. Look at the alternative lines here, minus seven, minus 10. You can maybe cash in for a little bit more juice on that pick. So give me the Cowboys here. Sunday night football, next up, the Los Angeles Chargers. They are on the road for the San Francisco 49ers. Over-under in this game set at 47 and a half. The Chargers are... Six-point underdogs on the road, and you could not give me enough points to take the Chargers here. You, you couldn't. You couldn't do it because the Chargers are a disaster. They're, they're just a disaster, and they just should have lost a game to a Falcons team that was supposed to be tanking. I know the Falcons play tough, right? I, I know that the Falcons are better than a lot of people gave them credit for, myself included. But if I look at that Falcons team and how this Chargers team plays, I can't help but notice that the Falcons, since Arthur Smith took over the same year that the Brandon Staley took over, have done nothing but overachieve for their roster. By contrast, the Chargers have done nothing but underachieve with their roster. Brandon Staley's team does not play hard. They don't give a shit. They look completely like out of the loop. This offense that, that he's running with Joe Lombardi is a disaster class. Every week, we're watching these short dump-off passes by a guy who has maybe the third best arm in the league. Uh, by contrast, look at how hard the Falcons played this team last week. They were running the ball down their throats. The Chargers, last I checked, still cannot stop the run. And newsflash, the San Francisco 49ers are pretty goddamn good at running the ball. This is a team that is one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. This is a team that the head coach is the son of a guy who revolutionized running the football in the NFL. Uh, And they are going to bring Elijah Mitchell back off the IR, and they are going to run the ball down the throats of the Los Angeles Chargers here. Give me the San Francisco 49ers minus six. There's absolutely no shot that the Chargers win this game outright. Uh, They're going to get run all over. Finally, the Washington Commanders go on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles over under in this game set at 44 and a half. The line in this game set at Eagles minus 10 and a half. We get another huge line for the Eagles and they deserve it. Despite the fact that Taylor Heineke has been a frisky, frisky player since taking over as the the quarterback for the commanders. Uh, This feels like too tough of a spot for Heineke in a hostile Eagles environment on Monday Night Football when the lights are the brightest. I don't see how he keeps this game close. The Eagles just have too much firepower offensively. Uh, Guys like Devontae Smith weren't even contributing last week, and all this team does is score the ball, move the ball so easily. A.J. Brown is a freak show. The guy completely changed Jalen Hurts as a passer, completely changed the dynamic of this Eagles offense, and they just have so many guys right now who can hurt you on the offensive side of the ball to go with a defense that has been nothing short of incredible. The Eagles secondary has been dominant front to back. I think the commanders struggle to move the ball here, struggle to throw the ball through the air, and they struggle to contain Jalen Hurts in this electric Eagles offense. The Eagles roll here, minus 10 and a half. Give me the Eagles here. Finally, let's talk briefly about our plays this week. I started earlier by saying Marcus Mariota, anytime touchdown scorer, Thursday night football. That's a big play there. I love it. Uh, He's going to have a great opportunity to score on a Carolina team that has struggled to keep quarterbacks out of the end zone. And his role within that offense allows him a lot of opportunities near the goal line in the red zone. So give me Mariota, anytime touchdown scorer on Thursday night football. Next up, the Bucks under 44 and a half in that Seahawks game. Uh, I also have the Bucks ATS minus two and a half anywhere up to three. Once you get past that three, uh, that key number, I'm, I'm staying away from the line there. But I think the Bucks handle this game. I think that both teams struggle to score a bit. But I think that the Seahawks really, really struggle uh, with that time zone crossing, traversing, globe trotting 
situation that they found themselves in due to the schedule makers. This is a schedule loss. So uh, I still believe my boy Gino. I still believe in him as our coverage king of the week, but it's just a bad spot for Gino and the the Seahawks here. So give me the Bucks uh, minus two and a half, minus three, and the under 44. Now our big teaser of the week. I love this play. I love it. I love it. I love it. Give me the Niners minus a half point. Give me the Raiders minus a half point. Two teams that are in incredible situations here. Schematically, the Niners just match up so well with the Chargers. They should take care of business. No questions asked. Uh, By the same token, the Raiders are playing a Colts team that is being coached by a guy who was just like in street clothes two days ago. Uh, He's a guy who has no head coaching experience in, in Jeff Saturday. This is an unbelievable situation that the Colts find themselves in, and it seems to be all in an effort to lose games uh, so that they can get one of those top quarterback opportunities coming in, in this April's draft. The Colts are not, they're not playing to win anymore and the Raiders need this game so that Josh McDaniels does not lose his job. So give me the Raiders minus a half point with the T's. Give me the Niners minus a half point with the T's. Uh, love this. This is going to be my big play of the week. And finally, our last play, got to do it here. Jump on it early if you can. Minnesota plus seven, plus seven and a half. This line is not accounting for whatever may be wrong with Josh Allen. I hate to bet against him, but unfortunately, the early scuttlebutt is not good for the Bills for Josh Allen. So give me Minnesota plus seven and a half. This line will likely uh, start to descend once we know what's going on with Josh Allen. Thanks, as always, for listening. I will be back next week with our Week 11 NFL betting picks. Until then, I will talk to you guys soon.